Thank you for tuning in to the Joint Discussions. This is a growing coalition of information for a community built on all things cannabis. We are curating dialogue between various people throughout the cannabis supply chain to broaden access and to bridge the gap between cultivators, clinical providers, and connoisseurs to unite our community. And now, your host, Dr. Pepper Hernandez. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me for today's joint discussion. I have a good friend, Alexandria Irons here. She is the queen of the sun grow. I'm so excited to talk with her about regenerative agriculture, her over decade experience in cultivation. She's a smarty pants. She has a master's in gardening and composting from UC Davis. She's been doing a whole bunch of things, and not just is she an amazing sun-grown flower grower, she's also a mom and a family woman. Thank you so much for being here, because I know you're busy, girl. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. I'm so stoked, because the minute you said, yes, I want to collaborate with you on many places, you know, not just the Cannabis Holistic Institute, but this podcast, maybe over on Clubhouse. I was like, yes, another incredibly strong, powerful woman who's really doing it and doing it in such a way to show other people that regenerative, organic cannabis is doable. And for the most part, it's preferable. People oh, yeah. get on board. Yeah. Tell oh, us about yeah. it. Definitely. Well, basically my background, I mean, you kind of covered the bases. I've been gardening forever. I just love growing anything, not just cannabis, like being self-sufficient, being a a sovereign individual, able to take care of myself, knowing how things work is really important to me. And I went to school for environmental science and I can recall the first class I attended, how it was agriculture's ruining the world and climate change this and that and this and I thought okay well this is a pretty doom and gloom outlook and agriculture has been around for 15,000 years like there's the organic movement there's biodynamic there's regenerative there's all these amazing things going on so I really I get obsessed when I'm interested in something and so I just went down the rabbit hole of regenerative agriculture soil conferences and holistic management ranching and how we can incorporate animals because I, like you, love animals, (laughs) Um, incorporating them into your farm and garden and how can we do this holistically? Like us as humans, we are so reductionist. We want to focus on one subject, but we forget that everything is connected. Everything has an impact on everything else. And so I kind of took that approach, basically a holistic view to my cannabis garden. And it really helps that I worked for the Nature Conservancy and ecosystem management. So I look at my living soil and my cannabis garden as an ecosystem. And if you understand how different species work together, you can manage it in a holistic way. I love that. And you've said so many things that I'd love to dial into. So some of our listening audience may not know the difference between a living soil and just a purchased potting soil versus, you know, other things that people, other mediums that people are growing in. 
from your expertise, can you kind of share with us or open that conversation for us and just educating us on what those mean? Yeah, definitely. So living soil is really just a marketing term. True soil is found in the ground. Mother nature makes true soil. Everything in a bag is potting mix. We put labels on it to call it living soil because we are mimicking nature and trying to replicate the breakdown of the nutrients that are from minerals, right? In the way that they would be broken down in nature, which is dissolved by enzymes produced by microorganisms and humic acids, which are found in compost. So basically your bag of potting mix is mostly just organic matter, but soil in the ground is about 50% mineral content. Well, where do those minerals come from? The rocks, lava, right? All of that is what makes up the earth and then extrudes out in magma, lava, volcanic activity. And over eons, like geologic timescale, long time, it breaks down into smaller and smaller pieces. And then eventually it is dissolved by microorganisms, like I said, through the enzymes they produce. And then it is solubilized and available for plants. So when we talk about a living soil, we are mimicking this process by utilizing microorganisms, compost, and it's usually peat moss, cocoa coir, or leaf mold that is like kind of the basis. Most living soils are equal parts, either of those things that I mentioned with some form of aeration. I like to use rice holes and then compost. And compost is kind of like the secret sauce of your soil blend, right? Because it is, you could say your terroir, it's your region, especially like preferably you're making your own compost, right? Because 40% of our landfills could be composted at home, people. Like methane, toxic leachate, all of those things that are going out into our ecosystems and polluting, we could reduce at home by composting. And then you have free fertilizer. So one-third compost, one-third aeration, one-third organic matter like peat moss, leaf mold, cocoa coir, etc. And that's really the basis for what we're calling living soil and then using microorganisms to break down our mineral additives that are the fertilizer, essential plant nutrients. So I've heard, thank you for that. I've heard from so many people that it's really about the idea of feeding the soil versus what are we going to feed our plants? What are we going to feed our cannabis specifically for this podcast for joint discussions? What do you think about that? Is it about feeding the soil first? Because that makes a lot of sense. Oh yeah, definitely. Consider conventional agriculture where we are constantly removing the organic matter, right? We plant a crop, we feed it synthetic fertilizer, it's feeding the plant, and then we're removing all of the organic residue. We're not leaving behind anything. So it's depleting the soil. It's not sustainable. When you have a living soil or a regenerative system, you are adding to the soil. And so every year, your living soil, your regenerative agriculture plot should be getting better and better because you're adding organic matter. And in doing so, that organic matter is full of carbohydrates, humic acids, and they're feeding the microorganisms. Those microbes are breaking it down, solubilizing all of the minerals. So it's kind of like having a savings account versus a checking account. With regenerative or living soil, you're saving up, you're adding to it, and your soil is growing. Whereas conventional fertilizers, synthetics, you just have to keep on spending money. 
That makes so much sense. Thank you for saying that. I want to go into so many pieces here, but before we do that, I want to let you know if you can hear the birds in the background, FYI, can, can you hear them? I they them. are, okay, they're like enjoying their little lives today. Like <laughs> it is so loud and it's so beautiful. They're like singing. It is definitely that time of the year. So anyways, if it's throwing you <laughs> off, let me know. There's nothing I can do about it, but at least you know what they are. <laughs> Let's talk about composting. Can you tell us, you know, we've all probably ran down the rabbit hole on Instagram or TikTok or somewhere on the interwebs of figuring out what composts work best in our community or in our lifestyle, because we all live in different places. Not all of us live on, you know, 10 acres out in rural Oklahoma or California or, mm -hmm. you know, wherever we are. What is a basic beginning to composting, no matter where you are? Well, I usually say worms, but some people don't like worms, <laughs> but that's something, you know, if you're in an apartment building and you don't have any yard, you can have a worm bin under your kitchen sink and you can literally drill using a quarter inch drill bit. You can drill a few holes on the bottom, a few holes on the top. So the bottom is to allow any moisture to drain out. So you don't, you know, you want to put it on top of something to catch any of that moisture that drains out. And then the holes on the top would be to allow air in and your worms, red wigglers or European night crawlers are really good at composting. And you basically want to give them one pound of kitchen scraps per square foot of worms. And so you can constantly, I mean, up to like every other month be harvesting worm castings. If you're continually feeding them, taking care of them, really you just want to make sure that the moisture level is appropriate. And so your worms shouldn't be too soggy. About the texture of like a wrung out sponge, your like bedding should feel like that. And you can use just strips of newspaper in there and get it nice and wet. And that's just a super simple way to compost at home. And worm castings are some of like nature's greatest fertilizer, full of bacteria and fungi. Right there, you've got a living fertilizer. Anyone can worm compost. But some people, you know, don't really like worms. You could do bakashi composting. So that utilizes lactobacillus. So that's an anaerobic bacteria. You basically just buy something that's been inoculated with the specific bacteria and you put your food scraps in a five gallon bucket that is sealable with like a airtight food grade lid and you sprinkle in that bokashi and it will compost your food, ferment it in um, like four weeks. And then you're not worrying about any worms escaping because they do try to escape out of your holes. So you might, you know, the squeamish people might not want to do worm composting, but either of those options, you can use a five gallon bucket under your kitchen sink or in the garage and be composting right away. That's wonderful. I love that. And I love both of those options. Yeah, that's genius. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, of tip. course. Kids love worms. My son, yeah. the other day, he came inside from playing and he had a little worm in his hand and he called it a snake. <laughs> and he brought it in the bathtub with him. <laughs> oh my gosh. How old is your son now, by the way? He is two and a half. So oh, fully into it. the terrible twos. <laughs> I can't believe you do as much as you do. I mean, obviously women are 
incredible beings and they can handle a lot. But this woman here, I'm not certain if I could handle as much as those of you who are mothers do. Like, I mean, you're very busy. I am very busy and I am blessed to have a very supportive husband who stays home full time and takes care of me and Enzo so that we you know, our food and laundry is clean and everything's put away and I can be super busy with all of my other activities and have time for my son. So I could not do this without my other half. Can we talk about what you are doing outside of being a mother and a homesteader? You're educating communities on a a much bigger spectrum. Is that correct? Yeah, I have been traveling the country the last almost a year. In June, it'll be a year teaching living soil classes to home growers and commercial growers and really just trying to help people become more sustainable, save money, save the planet and grow really good weed. Because I agree with you, there's hands down no comparison to regenerative soil sun-grown cannabis. The terps don't lie. (laughs) That is so true. Happy 420, by the way, because where I'm at, CST right now, central time zone, it's 420. So happy 420. Um, And just as you said that, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, side note here from our conversation, but I've been getting a lot of flack over there on the Instagrams. And so I just went full on a little crazy the last couple days. And I'm like talking I'm trying not to cuss like at all. And it's really hard. I've gone full on throwing shade, if you will, at some indoor grow bros Mm. that I am just over. And of course, on this podcast, we have, we don't have any indoors actually, probably because I'm a little, I'm I'm biased. (laughs) I'm an outdoor grower. I've done both. We've all probably done a little bit of both, but there is just something so magical about bringing cannabis from the basement to the sun. You know what I mean? Like there was a reason why people had to go indoor for their cannabis growing. And I'm not saying that everybody's as lucky as the legal states are. I get that. I get some people are still legal and they have to do what they have to do or they don't have access. And I understand that, but what I am wanting to share with people, just like you are, that's what we have in common. That's why we're pulling together is, you know, cannabis needs to be in the sun. It needs to be grown naturally. If you get some good genetics and you choose the time of year when you can grow tomatoes outside, I mean, grow it, right? Mm -hmm. Grow a couple plants. That's all you have to have, just enough for your family. It doesn't have to be huge corporate cannabis indoors for the masses i'll stop now no i agree with you what do you think i I could go on a rant for hours but what do you think Uh, yeah no i agree 100 percent. i think that the sun is i mean hey there's a reason why my handle and my business is queen of the sun grown because i believe i started out inside and once i moved outdoors it was a game changer i mean i cannot handle the glare of the lights the weird shade the cramped environment i want to feel the wind on my face i want to see i love bugs people you know it's so funny when i talk to indoor growers and they're so scared of bugs and i'm like bring them on baby let me see what what is this bug 
you know, it's an opportunity to learn about another part of the environment, another, like we share, we're part of nature. This isn't just our freaking land, our ecosystem. We're sharing it with all of these bugs. And you learn so many cool things about life by being surrounded by biodiversity and incorporating cannabis into your vegetable gardens. And even if you have just a little patio, like there's so many ways to grow cannabis outside. I'm really, so besides my living soil classes, I just started an online program of classes to try to get some of my followers and indoor growers to have an approachable introduction to outdoor gardening. And so I'm hosting these online on Zoom and they're recorded and they'll be available on my website. And it's just a seed to harvest and beyond so that you can do things as affordably and sustainably as possible. And, you know, some people love making their own inputs. You know, we've got like the Korean natural farmers and the Jadem guys, and we've got, you know, a wide range. Some people just want to buy a product and still be organic and sustainable. So I'm trying to incorporate all of those options into my classes. Like I personally love cooking and that's what I compare to making your own nutrients and stuff is like, oh, you're out there, you know, let's make something up. Let's throw a little this, little that in there and add your extra flavor, your own flair to your garden. So I include recipes for making all of your own inputs as well. I'm not like a strict, you know, knf or what have you, but using things that are in your life for efficiency and sustainability. Like for instance, me and my husband love fishing. So we fish a lot and I collect all of the guts and heads and parts that we're not eating in a bucket when I put some of the water that we caught them in. So lake or river water in there. So you get those aquatic native indigenous microbes, a little bit of compost, a little bit of like a sugar source, like yucca or something and some sawdust, mix that up, age it for six to 12 months, boom, you got yourself free fish hydrolysate, fish emulsion, whatever you want to call it, the KNFers say fish amino acids. It's just the good stuff, the fish stuff. And there you go, free. I love it. I love it so much. So you've named a couple things. I would love to get into that. But I want to go back to something that you said about bugs. And I get that from indoor growers all the time. Sure, we'd love to support outdoor regenerative farmers or we'd like to do that. But the first thing I always get is not everybody can grow outdoors all the time. I say, really? Well, I know someone who is doing it in your area. You should go talk to them, right? That's the first thing I love Mm -hmm. saying. And then the second is bugs are going to be, I, I had more trouble indoor bugs than I have had outdoor bugs. Now they're different bugs, but when you have outdoor, it seems like you could plan around that a little bit more. Like you were talking about biodiversity, working with nature. You can plan that a little bit by introducing bugs that are maybe going to help you take care of that a little bit, as well as companion planting to prep for those kind of things. So you don't have a, you know, a full on ruin of a harvest. Now, of course, I guess maybe two years ago, the caterpillars were really bad up here in Oklahoma. And so people had to adjust and it took a couple runs to figure out what to do with that. But what do you say about companion planting and bugs that could be beneficial? Oh yeah. I'm a huge companion planter. 
Personally, I like to incorporate native species because the native species evolved with the organisms, the bugs that are naturally there and adapted to your environment. So if you incorporate more native species closer into your garden, you're going to draw them in. I do plant like some staples or sweet alyssum, buckwheat, daikon radish, lemon balm, and then even trap plants. I really like to use nasturtiums as trap plants, especially for caterpillars, speaking of. Those imported cabbage moths, those little white butterfly moths, they look like butterflies, that lay the little green budworms. Okay, those are devastating. That's like one of the biggest causes of botrytis, right? And they love laying their eggs on nasturtium leaves on the underside. So it's amazing to plant nasturtiums, which are also edible, they're beautiful. You can plant them. And if you're in tune with nature and you know when the eggs are being laid, you start seeing the moths, you know that they're laying eggs when they're landing on the nasturtium. So then you can just go ahead and compost them, cut them all down, compost it. And there you go. You just got rid of the next generation of budworms that could devastate your crop. Definitely takes a lot more of being in tune, observant, aware. And planning and paying attention. But man, isn't that what it's all about? Right. Isn't it more about that than growing large amounts for the masses using chemicals? And I don't know. It, it is for us. It doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't make sense. It's, it's more about regenerative farming to take care of the planet, to take care of our families, and to take care of our neighbors, too. Yeah, you know, and future the- generations. And it gives you a lot of presence, which we lack nowadays. We're so distracted by everything that when you grow in this closed loop regenerative style, it gives you presence to pay attention and be in the moment. That was my next question. I was going to ask if you could explain what closed loop means for you and what you're doing and how we can utilize that idea. Yeah, of course. So closed loop, right? Think of a circle where you're starting with something and instead of creating a waste, you're creating a byproduct. And so you're not throwing it away, you're turning it into something valuable. So compost is a great example that anyone can start a closed loop system in their home with composting because we all eat, right? And then on different scales, it depends on your lifestyle, what you do, how much time and how many resources you have available. So When I lived in California, I was on acreage and I was able to have goats and chickens. And so we would feed the leaves of our cannabis to the goats and chickens, and then we'd use their manure in the compost system. And then that would go back into our gardens. And so right there, you have a loop, right? It just closed itself. You've got the cannabis feeding the animals and the animals manure feeding the cannabis. And that's really what we mean with closed loop, but you don't have to have a farm to do that. Right now, where I'm living, you know, I don't have the availability to raise animals, but I do fishing. So that right there, I'm eating the fish. I'm using the waste to feed my cannabis. I am continuing to close that loop because I am not having a waste product. I am turning something wasteful into value and keeping it going, keeping the loop going. That's what closed loop is. Love it. Thank you so much for that. KNF. Jadam, you've spoken about both of those. Can you also maybe give a a short little description of what each of them are for those who may not be familiar with the terms? Yeah, you know, I recently got introduced to it because I have a lot of folks reaching out to me through my Patreon membership asking about KNF. And so KNF is short for Korean Natural Farming. 
And it is a farming technique that is ultra low cost that comes from Korea. And then Jadam is actually the son of the KNF guy. I'm sorry, his name is eluding me, something Cho. And it's even lower cost because KNF uses a lot of sugar and Jadam uses putrefaction instead of fermenting. So it's, you're not using sugar. But basically the idea is that, you know, think about Korea, that's where this was originated. There's a lot of fruit. There's a lot of things growing naturally that you can harvest and you can turn into a nutrient fertilizer. And people have kind of just taken it here in the U.S. And I personally feel like when you're buying a lot of products to create these inputs, it kind of defeats the purpose. But, you know, to each his own and you know, you do what you want. I don't, I have opinions, but <laughs> so Chris Trump is actually like the leading US KNF instructor. And he has agreed to help me teach an introductory KNF class together. So I'm really excited to start that because he is like just a wealth of knowledge on KNF. And I've just started getting into it because, you know, people are asking me for it. And the thing that I find most fascinating is the IMO collection. So that IMO, there's a lot of acronyms in KNF. That's probably another reason that I haven't really delved into it because it's hard. It's like speaking another language, right? IMO stands for Indigenous Microorganisms. Well, he has, Chris Trump, he has taken it a step further and done an IPMO so that he's harvesting the carcasses of pests and then allowing them to basically call in the microorganisms that are going to decompose those pests and then turning that into a product that you can basically spray on your crop when it is being attacked by that specific pest. So it works really well for like grasshoppers. You could collect like the grasshopper carcasses and then you, you know, spray and it has the microorganisms present that are going to decompose that specific pest. I mean, this goes so deep, doesn't it, Alex? It goes so deep and people can go into this in so many ways. I love that you share with us even just the basics here. And I know that you, besides the classes that you're doing with Chris and hopefully the classes that you'll do with us, you have your own things going on. Can you tell people about your Patreon thing, about your plans for classes in the future, where we can find you, like all that good stuff? Yeah, definitely. So the class that I'm doing with Chris is actually my own class. It's the Holistic Horticulture Series that I've started, and it's all online the first Saturday of the month. It's recorded. It's available on my website, queenofthesungrown.com. And it's just an introduction to sustainable agriculture and cultivation. Um, we explore everything from starting seeds and, you know, creating your own vegetative recipes to the flowering phase, pruning, cloning, propagation, breeding your own nematodes, for goodness sakes. I mean, getting into the soil food web, uh, edibles, tinctures, RSO, and that in itself, making hash is closed loop to me. You know, like farmers shouldn't be having any waste, sugar leaf, trim, little buds, anything that isn't, you know, top shelf. Or, you know, if you're a commercial, you, you know, can create a valuable product out of something that may not have um, as much value sold as flour. So 
I'm just exploring all of that in these classes available on my website and Patreon. So you can subscribe monthly and I do a weekly live stream where we go over whatever anyone wants to talk about. Really, it's an open format. This last week, we talked about cultivating psilocybin mushrooms and how mycelium uh, solubilizes phosphorus and how we can boost phosphorus because, you know, week three through five, really trying to encourage, you know, a little bit heavier feeding. And how do we do that in regenerative systems where we're not feeding our plants, we're feeding our soil. So how can we unlock more phosphorus during these weeks? And we can do that through a variety of ways. I'm going down a rabbit hole, but that's just one example of some things that we talk about on the Discord and then monthly recipes, monthly articles. I just love to nerd out and figure out why. There's so many things going on in the world. I want to know why. Why does this happen? Why and how? I love it. I love (laughs) it so much. Well, I'm so grateful that you have this passion to help people, to educate yourself, and then openly share that with others. I mean, it's amazing. So I appreciate you, Alexandria Irons, for being here today. Queen of the Sun Grown, that is absolutely you. I appreciate you so much. And I hope that we stay tuned in. I hope that we continue to see you flourish and educate others. Thank you so much for being here. And how can we find you again on the social medias? Did you say that you're just queen of the sun grown everywhere or how can they find you specifically? Yeah, queen of the sun grown on YouTube, on Instagram, my website, my Patreon. I'm trying to keep it easy peasy. I love it. It is easy. What do you think someone who's listening, who wants to step into the world of specifically of cannabis, who really vibes with what we're saying, what we're suggesting, that regenerative closed loop system, what do you suggest for that first time grower? Because obviously we're pro home grow, no matter what, if it's one or a hundred plants, we want somebody to practice and try it. What would you say? What's that one tip? Uh, or that one golden nugget that you'd share with them about stepping into that world of sun grown? I would say if you can plant in the ground, it's just going to be so much easier for you. Your water management, your biodiversity, your plant size is going to explode and get to know your native soil and use it because anytime you get out of the ground, you're essentially having to spend more money. And so that would be my first tip is just plant in the ground. So many people want to do regenerative. And then I see pots and containers, even a bed on the ground. You can do that if you need to add more organic matter, but definitely try it. Thank you. Thanks for taking time to be with us today. We love you. We support you. And we hope to see you again really soon. Thank you everyone for listening today. We appreciate you. And we hope this gets you one step closer to growing some amazing cannabis for yourself and family. Dr. Pepper Hernandez is one of the world's most respected and accomplished cannabis naturopaths. She has guided thousands of patients worldwide in the use of cannabis, non-psychoactive forms for a various range of illnesses, disease, and discomfort. 
She works with her clients in the mental, physical, and emotional components of health and well-being. She's the founder and educational director of the Cannabis Holistic Institute, which aims to educate, empower, and encourage holistic health practitioners, physicians, and students to use whole plant, sun-grown medicine as a part of their wellness routine. Dr. Hernandez is a syndicated cannabis medical journalist and the published author of the Cannabis Patient Journal series. Learn more about her and her practice at drpepperhernandez.com or across social media platforms, including Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. If you would like to make a one-on-one appointment with her, connect with drpepperhernandez.com for an easy online schedule.